Hello, and a very good day to you. My name is Jim Harris, and this is Heritage Bible Radio. Heritage Bible Radio is an extension of Heritage Bible Church in Boise, where it's my joy to serve as the teaching pastor. Every day, we devote our radio time to studying a portion of the Word of God so you can know Him better through Jesus Christ and serve Him better through your local church. This week on Heritage Bible Radio, we continue our study of Acts with the record of the tragic end of Judas Iscariot and the process the remaining 11 disciples used for his replacement. Luke recorded all of this in Acts chapter 1, verses 12 through 26. Follow along with Pastor Jim as he delivers the result of his study in today's portion of this week's message entitled, Providential Manhunt. Now here's one of the themes that's going to echo through the Gospel of Luke and into the book of Acts. The Scripture had to be fulfilled. The plan of God unfolds seamlessly, relentlessly from beginning to end. And the connection with the Old Testament is crucial and it's unmistakable. Notice how he says, the Scripture had to be fulfilled. Well, the Scripture is the written Word. Well, the written Word was from the Holy Spirit through the mouth of David. That's, that's the connection. God uses people guided by His Spirit to write His Word, and we recognize it as the Scriptures. Men of His choice penned the written Scriptures guided by the Holy Spirit. As a matter of fact, it would be Peter who would eventually write this, 2 Peter 1, 20 and 21. Know this, first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture, the written Word of God, is a matter of one's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever made by an act of human will, but men, moved by the Holy Spirit, spoke from God. Men, guided by the Spirit, produced the Word of God under the guidance of the Spirit. So look again. Brethren, the Scripture had to be fulfilled, which the Holy Spirit foretold by the mouth of David concerning Judas, who became a guide to those who arrested Jesus, for he was counted among us and received his share in this ministry. It's interesting how Peter describes Judas's heinous deed as he became a guide to those who arrested Jesus. You know all about that. We don't need to go there. But it's important to see, and this is a main point here, this was all in the plan of God. The wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Why? Because Christ Jesus our Lord went to the cross and took upon Himself our sins and experienced the full wrath of God against sin so that He could be our Redeemer. He rose again, and when we are identified with His death, His burial, His resurrection, we are trusting in Him and Him, him alone, we are saved But understand, that was all in the plan of God, including the Judas part of it. Even Judas's horrible, horrible, Satan-inspired act, that was part of God's plan all along, and Jesus knew it. This is one of those situations that leads to the understanding of the phrase that I've said to you many times, God uses sin sinlessly. He is never the author of sin, but His eternal decree includes the sinful deeds of men and women, and those men and women 
are fully capable for all of their decisions. You're going to see this many times in, in Acts. God's sovereignty is absolute. Man's responsibility is absolute. Those two are side by side in Scripture and never let your understanding of one of those overrule the other one. God chooses who will be saved. Well, wait a minute. I read ahead. Peter's going to say, repent and believe and you will be saved. Don't you have to repent? Yes, you do. Didn't you repent when you came to Christ? Yes, you did. Did you do that? Yes, you did. And God chose you specifically by name before the foundation of the world to do that. How do those two fit together? Don't worry about it. They're both true. Don't worry about it. Marvel at it. Rejoice at it. His eternal decree includes working through all of those things, even those sinful actions. Almost as an afterthought, um, Peter confirms that um, Judas wasn't just a, just a magic trick or something. He was counted among us and received his share in this ministry. He was there by the will of God, by the choice of Jesus. His departure was 100% his own responsibility because he never was a believer. Now, the next couple of verses are a parenthesis. And this is really interesting. Again, talking about God putting together His His Word. We have information in Matthew 27, verses 3 through 10, where Matthew tells us that after Judas's horrible deed, that he had received 30 pieces of silver for. 30 pieces of silver was the penalty that you would pay under the Old Testament law. For example, if your ox gored the neighbor's slave and the slave died, the penalty was 30 pieces of silver. That's how much Judas regarded Jesus. But after he did that, he was seized with remorse, and he returned uh, to the chief priests and elders the 30 pieces of silver that they had paid him out of the temple treasury to betray Jesus. And then Judas went and hanged himself. Now, the chief priests decided to use the money to buy a potter's field to become a burial ground for foreigners. So Luke now, here in Acts 1, scrunches that account of Judas after the betrayal a little bit tighter. He portrays Judas as the buyer of the field because the chief priests considered their payment to be blood money. It was a hit they ordered on Jesus, right? They refused to accept it back into the temple treasury. Isn't their righteousness wonderful? Uh, figure that one out. So technically, the silver still belonged to Jesus. So indirectly, Judas's money did buy the field. So now look at verses um, 18 and 19. Now, this man acquired a field with the price of his wickedness. And falling headlong, he burst open in the middle, and all his intestines gushed out. And it became known to all who were living in Jerusalem, so that in their own language that field was called Hakaldama, that is, field of blood. Aren't you glad you came to church this morning to get that 
mental picture in your mind. Well, this is a case of the Bible giving us part of the picture of a scene in one place and more of the picture of that scene in another. Matthew describes part of it, and Matthew is exactly true. Luke describes some of it, and Luke is exactly true. Um, But Luke doesn't mention that Judas hanged himself. He says, but falling headlong, he, you know, well, you get the rest of it. Um, and And he seems to connect it directly with that field. So it might just be that that field was where he killed himself. And there may have been some sort of an outcropping or a huge tree or, or, or you know, some kind of a promontory where he could hang over uh, the edge of a cliff. So, a cliff. so we infer that Judas fell headlong as a result of being suspended in air. The rope either broke under the weight of his falling body or maybe he threw himself over the edge on the rope, we don't know, or maybe it was cut by someone after he had hung there for who knows how long. It is not at all far-fetched to suspect that his falling body may have hit a sharp rock that caused it to burst open, but trust me, the paramedics did not like the sight when they got there. Now, that place was well-known in and around Jerusalem at that time, and the purpose of the field as a burial place for foreigners who died was well known. Uh, And as I say, it's kind of inferred in the sentence that that may be where, or kind of implied rather, that that may be where Judas died also. So Matthew emphasized the details most important to his Jewish audience. They understood, cursed is the one who hangs on a tree. So Judas was accursed. They They understood that. How is Luke... Uh, emphasizes different things for his Gentile audience. So those two accounts complement each other. They harmonize. They don't, they don't contradict. And just like you could, um, we, we could have some sort of a, uh, of a big event happen and you could go look at, at uh, three different news sources reporting on television they're all describing the same scene, but they aren't going to use identical words. And some may emphasize one thing, another may emphasize a different, um, a, a different thing. So that's not, that's not a problem in any way. We've met the personnel. We've seen the problem. Wait, Judas is gone. Now a prophecy. Luke wants us to be sure that we understand that this is all the plan of God. He keeps emphasizing that. So he returns to what Peter said that connected the awful story of Judas to the Old Testament. Peter is going to cite and apply Scripture to reassure everybody there that day and us, by extension, that Judas's defection and the choice of his replacement were both part of God's purposes. So look at verse 20. For it is written in the book of Psalms, let his homestead be made desolate and let no man dwell in it. In other words, like a field where only dead people would be. Nobody would live there. And let another man take his office. Now that is a, a mashup of two messianic, messianic psalms. The first was from Psalm 69, 25. Both Jesus and Paul quote from that chapter. Jesus quotes from Psalm 69 when he cleared the temple. Paul quotes from Psalm 69 when he applied it to Christ being insulted and ridiculed. Peter quoted from it here because Judas is part of that story. 
If you would like this message on Compact Disc, let me know and we'll send it to you. You'll receive the entire message, not just the portion on today's program. You can order by phone at 353-4036 or by writing to us at 7071 West Emerald, Boise, Idaho, 83704 or on the internet at hbc-boise.org. Heritage Bible Radio needs your prayers and your financial support. Once again, you can reach us online at hbc-boise.org or by telephone at 353-4036 or by writing to us at 7071 West Emerald, Boise, Idaho, 83704. And if you need a church home here in the Treasure Valley, I hope you'll visit us any Sunday at 7071 West Emerald. For Heritage Bible Radio, I'm Jim Harris. See you next time. Bye-bye.